0: Hey everybody, it's the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as usual by my good friends Richard and Michael. Howdy. Uh, Richard and Michael love to debate, deliberate the Mount Rushmore of any given topic. And this week is no different as we deliberate the Mount Rushmore of invisibility uh, as depicted in pop culture, movies, entertainment, books, literature, anything. We have a special guest, however. We could have more than one but the one that's showing up on the visible spectrum is Paul Preston from the movieguys.net. How you doing Paul? Hello, North Dakota. <laughs> Paul, what is it that the does or is or You what? Know,
1: just hit me. I'm not sure if if Mount Rushmore's in North or South Dakota.
0: Uh Rapid City, South, South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah, yeah. You guys don't know uh, I, it, it we flip a coin every time, time yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it is. It's a <laughs> Dakota If you really want to get much more specific yeah. than that We can all a, agree man. it should just be Dakota yeah. As one big That's state That's right Why yeah. Tear down this wall That's what uh, we're
2: doing at themovieguys.net We're working
0: on the Dakotas Coming together as <laughs> one big state Fanning and yeah. uh, uh, well L, who's mm. the other Dakota? Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay. uh, uh Johnson. Johnson, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm a movie guy.
1: So go to themovieguys.net, and you'll hear me blather on about movies. And you have a cohort in crime, right? Um, many cohorts. There's okay. a guy named Ray Scalacci who writes uh, an article every week at the site about what's new the on the The third baseman for the Brooklyn Dodgers? <laughs> Ray Scalacci? No way
0: is there a name. Is that no, real? Right? No, just it sounds sound like like it. Like There's it. no way Jeff knows <laughs> <laughs> any
3: third baseman of any baseball team. Here he is, team. is, the singer,
0: Ray Scalacci. He's <laughs> 90 years old. The pride old. of Ebbets Field. All <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
1: my wife, Karen, and I, we do you know all sorts of shenanigans, uh, and then there's Adam Witt, Stephen Lewis, and Bart Kaya's, a whole bunch of people gathered in doing uh, articles, reviews, red carpets, podcasts, and uh, it's Sean Blodgett and I do a new Star Wars podcast, one a month, uh, counting down to episode nine, mm-hmm. so we have fun here.
0: Well, right on. So uh, the Mount Rushmore podcast isn't always about entertainment or movies, but it often is, and many times... Uh, movies or films or TVs, things come up in our discussion of certain topics, but the scope of this... It'll happen today. It'll happen today. (laughs) I hope so. It's always fun. Uh, The scope of this is the Mount Rushmore of invisibility, and it's something that's, uh, for me, I've seen depicted in a lot of things in um, entertainment and literature, and it's always been a fun idea, the idea that you could disappear, or sometimes the um, depressing feeling that you have disappeared. So I thought it might be kind of a fun thing to discuss, And here's how things work now that they don't work normally is that uh, Richard and Michael, normally they're at odds, but like uh, Kmart and Sears, they're teaming up to uh, take on the competitors that are coming at them. <laughs> are we going out of business again? No, 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 no. <laughs> not that we know of. Oh, wait, who's? what's that truck backing up? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's beep, Roebuck. Beep, <laughs> He's pissed. Beep, beep. Um, they're teaming up to take on the uh, uh, awesome competitor that is Paul Preston, and I'm, I'm not going to say that the uh, guest always wins, but they often win. Um, so you can just phone this in from now on out, Paul. Yeah, yeah okay. I've landed on it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I would also love to thank all the guests out in the uh, Facebook world who, when asked to post something compelling, an idea or a thought or an example of invisibility, did and brought up some many, in, many interesting um, um, examples of invisibility in popular culture, things that I hadn't even heard of. So uh, I might dig through that that Facebook post as we go through and see if you guys even choose some things that they mentioned. So uh, I chose it. Paul, you're going to give our first example.
1: Well, uh, you know, this is an interesting conversation because I just had it with my friend. I said, I'm going to go on the Mount Rushmore podcast. He said, uh, explain. What? I said, he said, what the fuck's that? He said, it's <laughs> invisible. The name of God is that thing. <laughs> and so I, I explained, you know, you pick a Mount Rushmore, like Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedians. And he said, oh, yeah, well, I would have Carlin Pryor, Stephen Wright, and... Uh, Lenny Bruce. And that's interesting because would you put Lenny Bruce on the Mount Rushmore of comedy? Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's, I know his cultural effect. Yeah. But I've never listened to him in my life. Yeah.
2: We had an episode. It was the uh, Mount Rushmore of End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine. Mm -hmm. Where we talked about this thing where I was more on the, on the side of you listen to it. It doesn't hold up very well. And Jeff, I think, thought it held up a lot better than I did. Oh. So it was this like. The song? No, the Lenny Bruce. Oh, okay. Lenny Bruce. Le- oh, I see. His comedy. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. lot of it depends You'll, on... You'd be surprised. We went off on a tangent on yeah. that episode, Jeff. It's
3: <laughs> not
0: wow, surprising totally... to you. Yeah.
3: Wow, okay. A lot of Mount Rushmore depends on what your concept of Mount Rushmore is. Is it the best of something or is it the most representative? Because mm-hmm. that list didn't include any females. And certainly right. there are famous and great and wonderful and top-tier female uh, uh, comedians, but are they necessarily the best? Are those four guys the best? It's hard to say. That's why we honestly, we punt and let this guy figure it out. So we don't have yeah. to do the work. <laughs> we do some of the work and then we let Jeff like take all the slings and arrows. Uh, Jeff <laughs>
2: is our crowdsourcing to India. Yeah. <laughs> who Jeff is. I, I would say if you were to
0: ask um, comics, who's on their Mount Rushmore, many of them would, rec- would say Lenny Bruce. They tracked it back two spaces to Lenny to Lenny Bruce, it, I think it'd be like p- if people stopped at the Beatles and didn't mention Chuck Berry, they would be remiss. Even though the Beatles were ubiquitous with rock in the second in the last century, but yeah. So okay, yeah, that's a whole show. I that's think, a whole like show. How you even <laughs> come
1: up with? Because yeah. over at the movie guys, I ask everybody what their favorite movie of all time is, and that becomes a whole thing, instead of just naming the movie, it's like first 15 minutes of discussion about, okay, is it the one I can watch over and over again? Is it the one, if it's odd, I sit down? Is yeah. it the one that's been with me the longest? etc., etc., et, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say H.G. Wells or Claude Rains or any okay, of that. Okay, okay. the classic invisibility stuff uh, or the Great Kazoo. Um, <laughs> but I will go right to, um, there's a comic in Vegas by the name of Mac King. Okay. I don't know if you know who he is, but he plays Afternoons at Harris. He uh-huh. still does, even though I saw his act about, 10 years ago for Mm -hmm. the first time
2: and i believe his haircut is very reminiscent of pete rose true yes (laughs) that's the guy right and his jacket
1: is very reminiscent of you know a 70s carpet um and he does this bit with the cloak of invisibility that just had me falling over laughing on the ground oh that's fine um he he says he's got this cloak of invisibility and he's uh He doesn't feel like doing it right now, so he throws it off stage. Well, that just sets himself up for a callback of enormous proportions. Later in the show, when he's doing a card trick and he has to make cards move from one person's pocket to another, (laughs) he comes on stage with the cloak of invisibility. Dead set positive, we don't see him. yeah, And he does this dopey (laughs) stuff, and it's just hilarious. And to the point where... It, it, since these aren't ordered right mm-hmm. like you would say Washington is the best president on the on no the... we
3: have we have a ridiculous scoring system <laughs> oh do that, you? We'll, that Jeff will have to explain later on when or forget yeah we'll forget to do yeah. but uh, oftentimes you the points get higher the further you get in because the assumption is that the most obvious choice is the one that will be at the top so you knock that out right. it's a, no, don't sweat it. We've changed this every <laughs> I'll kick year. dirt on Jeff yes. if I get that. It's sport. all it's all Jeff's fault yeah. ultimately, but I love the idea of a comedian or uh, uh, or at least a magician uh, on Mount Rushmore of yeah. in invisibility. Just because it's a real life illusion of invisibility versus something that's depicted in fiction, and I think that is I, I think that's just great.
0: Yeah, one of the observations is that invisibility is in the eye of the beholder. And there's, uh, you don't have to necessarily be in in um, penetrable by this visible spectrum of light. You just have to be somebody nobody sees. So yeah. I mm. love that that concept. And that uh, there was the Amazon women and on the moon. Did you ever see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there it, was the one sketch. thing where Fred uh, Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> pers- the son of the Invisible Man yes. sketch, which was uh, in which the uh, loony son of the inv- original. Perceives himself to be invisible, but he's just a naked guy. <laughs> Very funny.
1: Yeah, and then you can have your photo taken with Mac after the show, but you don't. They put him in afterwards in the cloak, and you, as if he was that's so Oh, That's so funny. funny.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, great so first
1: way bit. off the beaten path. Yeah. First thing I put on the on but on that's Rushmore. great
3: because that leads into our first choice, which is the Harry Potter cloak of invisibility. Oh, right on. What a odd situation that that led into that, where this is a purely <laughs> fictional. F- Fantastical thing that is just relied on an idea of pure magic, as described. Yeah,
2: I mean, if and if you guys have never read or seen the Harry Potter franchise or been to, I guess, Universal Studios or mm-hmm. played this fucking game on your phone. Now, why don't we plug that for me? our
0: listeners? If uh, our friend J.K. Rowling wants
2: uh, to kind of make it, maybe we can help her out with like, that's saying. true. Yeah. What is
0: this, Harry Potter?
2: So there's a boy. And he loves dragons. Is that right? Oh, it's Pete's dragon. Oh, yeah. I, I got confused. <laughs> okay, okay. So the whole idea, is something that was passed down from his and his family. Um, and it got passed down to his dad. And when his dad was killed by, you must not be named. What? Um, it gets taken by Dumbledore and then eventually given to Harry. I believe I have that right off mm-hmm. the top of my head. And it's basically a giant plot device is what it is. It's this plot device for whenever they need to get from point A to point B, and you need to be able to see something that's happening that otherwise you wouldn't be able to because the main point of perspective from the book's standpoint is on Harry. So you need Harry to be there to be able to see something that's happening that an omniscient narrator would be able to tell you, but since it's this real focus on Harry 95% of the book, um, you need sort of this vehicle to be able to do that and that's what the invisibility cloak provides
3: i do like that over the series it kind of changed from being something that was just a these schoolboys and girls are in in you know this castle and they need to sneak around and every boy and girl in a school situation wants to sneak around and then it turns into oh it's this thing that is actually deep in the lore of this world of this thing that hide you from death and is that even it's, it's one of the Deathly Hollows it, and all of this stuff. It starts stuff. out as something pretty innocent and leads into being one of the three bigger, you know, elements of the character's story and part of the downfall of, mm-hmm. you know, the main villain. And I think that's pretty interesting that, you know, it starts out as this kid's book and then ends up as something deeper. I mean, it's still a kid's book at the end, but it's still, it has, it has deeper meaning the further it goes on. Mm-hmm.
2: Was it, it, are you... Or even the fact that physically, I mean, you mentioned the change from the who the book is targeted from the series. You know, the first book was really targeted toward kids, and the further along you get, as mm-hmm. the main characters get older, that's sort of how the the focus of the books change. And even physically, I mean, they, they. And I just finished reading. My wife and I finished reading the Harry Potter series to our kids, and one of the things that they that you notice is that they can't fit under the cloak anymore Mm. Uh when they were for first year at Hogwarts, all three of them could go hide under the cloak and scurry around. By the time they get to the last book, they're like 19 years old and there's still three of them trying to fit underneath this one cloak and their feet are sticking out. Uh It's a total like mess.
0: Yeah. Like a Muppet man. Yes. Basically (laughs) (laughs) the, uh, Harry Potter example was only mentioned once on the, uh, call for entries on Facebook. And I'm surprised because, uh, um, often the most popular ones are mentioned the most times, or or I know it's not the most popular, but it's very big. Well, it's a, it's
2: kind of a niche book, Is so it? yeah, uh, someday, genre. So I don't know. Someday
0: that Gal J K will sell some books. But Anderson Dadu, friend of the podcast, mentioned it. So what going to oh, say? It just Paul? renders them invisible, like Pete's dragon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just trying to put it all together. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So um, do does anybody here mention any kind of Tolkien type of reference in it? Are mm, you going to possibly maybe? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Good to know.
1: Uh, Paul, what's your second choice? Uh, My second choice is Monty Python's How Not to Be Seen. Oh, fun. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, If you don't know Monty Python, uh, they are a completely absurd British comedy troupe from the 70s that did amazing sketch work on a show called Monty Python's Flying Circus. Get on Netflix or Hulu or YouTube or wherever you got to get to watch it. Of course, if you do know it... um, you, then you know this legendary sketch. But again, if you don't, this is a perfect primer for what they're all about because it's just completely surreal, completely absurd, and it's done for no other reason than to kill or blow up people. Yeah. Uh, they talk about people, they have a shot of the woods, and they talk about people in the woods who are trying not to be seen. <laughs> but unfortunately, they're not, they, they either reveal themselves and then are shot yeah. or blown up, or they don't reveal themselves, but they know where they are anyway and yeah. are then shot or blown up yeah. as well. Uh, and it just extends to you know a nuclear bomb. It's because mm-hmm. it's them. Yeah. And uh, that's that's, I mean, anything Monty Python is good. But this is so particularly surreal, and people trying to be invisible from a random narrator who's just out to kill them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is a great
0: lead into a whole world of Python. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Python uh, began what what in. So so remember National Lampoon when it started was kind of a anything-goes humor magazine, and then it became to satire other magazines. So it was delivered delivered somewhat like The Onion, in which it is in the tone of a journalistic Chicago Manual of Style, or (laughs) whatever you call it in England, an actual qualified reporting uh, journal. And then when Python would do their silly things in what seemed like a straight BBC, you could have changed to it from another BBC channel and thought it was real when they were deadpan I think it was they were at some of their finest humor uh, I always loved them dressed up like twits or dweebs or old ladies or whatever but
1: the guys with the napkins on their yeah heads. <laughs> I,
0: I yeah. remember as a kid watching that and thinking this must be what their school films were like how to cross the street or how to how to um, like their um, in, in case there was a, a you know how how to go into your desk in case in case a bomb goes off or something like that. It felt like a real training yeah.
2: See, I remember watching it, and mainly because every once in a while there'd be boobs. Yes. On on PBS. Was that, it was very did exciting? Have boobs? Benny every Hill. once in a while.
0: You mean like the uh the, Botticelli the Victorian
1: <laughs> drawing the, the, the Gilliam
2: drawing? Yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> once no, every once in a while they would they uh-huh. would throw a little skin in. Oh yeah. You know, for the lads. A
0: Benny Hill almost it was almost nine out of ten times you knew you were gonna see something awesome on Benny Hill.
2: But no, I love that pick. Um, you know, I love the my favorite part of that sketch is when the the setup is there's nothing but one tree. Yeah. and it's well he he is well hidden but it's pretty obvious where he is boom yeah the next one's two like two or three trees and it's like well this is better and then they just blow up all three yeah.
1: trees <laughs> well they blow up one because they, we're pretty sure he's not here they blow up the next pretty sure he's not there we're pretty sure he's here they blow up same explosion but you hear ah! <laughs> 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 oh
0: i love it i love it i love that the the python we're all Oxford or Cambridge, <laughs> educated yeah. doctors, lawyers, barristers,
3: and they're doing these silly things. Okay, uh, Winfield and Freddie teaming up. Uh, our next choice is The Invisible Boy from the oh. 1999 um, comic book movie, Mystery Men. Oh, wow. Where Kel Mitchell plays a character who can turn invisible as long as you're not looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> and the entire setup for him is that he just he has this this stage performance. He is yes. so embarrassed. He is so... It's just he's so up in his head that he has to make sure that no one is looking at him, in order for him to be invisible. Which is such you talked about perception earlier with uh, the stage magician. Yeah. Uh, it's just a perfect setup. Of course, you're invisible if nobody's looking at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they maybe can hear you. It's a
2: very metaphysical, yeah, sort of thing. Are you actually in, are you actually visible if no one's looking at you? Yeah, yeah.
3: and um, you know the movie itself. Uh, wasn't well received back in 1999. I think it was kind of coming off of Batman being very popular in 1988 and that being darker Yeah, and a new crop of superhero movies were like right on the edge of coming out. You know, Spider-Man was a couple of years away mm-hmm. and X-Men was on the edge of coming out. And this was this weird dark horse yeah. property that was a comedy with, you know it was just weird and i don't think anyone really liked it i've seen it since then and it's great yeah it's over the top it's silly it is it would be i think more well received today being that everyone you know that big shift towards darker mm-hmm. movies and you you want like this just silly movie and just the device of him being invisible and of course he plays a big part in like the end of the movie where everyone turns around and he has to sneak through these lasers to yeah turn off something so they can blow up the Frankio nomulator or whatever, like whatever ridiculous name for like, he's a key aspect, but I just love the idea of someone being invisible when you don't see him. Mm-hmm. And I think, and like in theory, he, that technically is a superpower. Like he's like a security camera is kind of following him and he takes off his clothes. And yeah. his big reveal is that he's, you know, afterwards when they turn around, he's naked and they're like, <laughs> Whoa. But, um, I just thought it was a fun way to do invisibility without actually Mm -hmm. doing any special.
2: Certainly one of Kel Mitchell's finest acting (laughs) hours.
3: Uh, Brett J.
0: McCabe, uh, well, that was the first comment on the the crowd. Oh, really? source was uh, the Mystery Men, Invisible Boy. The um,
3: only unfortunate thing was that it helped usher in um, All-Star by Smash Mouth. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Ah, nuts. So, you take it good with the bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what movie wasn't that
3: in? Cause that I don't was, know. That it was like, in some Shrek, wasn't it? Yeah. Later in Shrek. Yeah. It might have been the first one that that was in because that took the world yeah. by storm.
0: Yeah. Uh uh, Brett J McCabe contributed that thank you Brett and Beckett Graham commented that cats can see through the invisible cloak in invisibility cloak is that true
3: Oh and Harry Potter yeah oh I don't know yeah sure. I think that's true okay okay all right we'll take it for, okay. I think Dumbledore could see through it because he had you know some additional he, special powers that he, <laughs> he did only look he has right to at to, Harry in that one scene he's it, just he just kind of knows that's yeah. the great thing I mean that's going back that's just a great thing about that character he's always like one step ahead in front of everyone and even if he didn't see him he kind of assumed he would be there mm-hmm. he and could smell him yeah it doesn't cover up that awful teenage funk that's <laughs> exactly. emanating from yeah. the cloak
0: you know i think it's interesting and we'll be at our halftime after this but the idea that invisibility as a power in general is something that he felt like he had and he felt like if he thought hard enough he could make it happen and he needed other people to kind of believe in that Invisibility, so it's almost like a pact that you have hmm. with the onlooker, and it does bring up the um, Ralph Ellison, Invisible Man, and how invisibility is something that's uh, can can be part of socio uh, sociological observation. Is that somebody who is just they are just so beneath others in uh, the socioeconomic structure of a of a place that they are ultimately rendered invisible, and we all have those times when we emotionally like we can't. We can't emotionally feel like we could go out and fly, but we have felt invisible at times in life. You know, you can't. It's, it's one power that we almost can have the feeling of as human beings. So God, I love when this episode goes deep yeah. right into the break. Yeah. So those who've tuned out, tune back, uh, <laughs> back into the Rushmore podcast. We'll return to the comedy portion of the podcast now. Uh, for a halftime thank you so much for listening to this podcast thank you for recommending it to your friends thank you in advance for downloading rating and reviewing previous episodes of the mount rushmore podcast it's summer you're out by the pool what a better uh thing could there be than to listen to past episodes of the mount rushmore podcast and have yourself a rating party Go out, giving oh, five uh, stars uh, to uh, those what, past episodes. What kind of party? A rating, okay. A rating party. What letter? <laughs> big difference. Yeah. Listen, I'm
3: doing the transcribing for you know all of yeah. our uh, supporters because oh, they get the newsletter yeah. with all of this written out, so they don't have to listen. They can just skim through it. Michael, so I want to make said, sure. Just sure.
0: He thought I said raking party, which is something we say for <laughs> October, November, mm-hmm. for the Midwestern states mostly. So um, please. Uh, do us the favor of enjoying, rating, sharing the Mount Rushmore uh, podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, yep, iHeartRadio, uh iArt Radio, uh-huh. Spotify, yes, and Zune. Mm. No, no. <laughs> if you got an old ass Zune, you can't just plug that sucker in, and yeah, you could try. Okay, okay. Why cool. not? Uh, also, I'd like to invite our guest uh, to plug his uh, all his media and his online things, and you would be that guest, Paul. Uh, TheMovieGuys.net That's at TheMovieGuys at Twitter and Instagram
1: Facebook.com slash TheMovieGuys for daily jokes and links and uh, nonsense and uh, yeah basically go to TheMovieGuys.net you'll find everything else we are on iTunes and Spotify and all that as well Believe in Sports Movies is the new podcast as well as Countdown to Nine and the TMG Interview tomorrow I'm interviewing Bethany Hamilton the surfer who uh, was victim of that shark attack oh. So she's got a new documentary coming out So that'll be posted uh, Perhaps by the time this goes up So you
0: can go and listen to her
3: Just clicked follow on Twitter right now
0: It was that simple See Probably. how easy it is <laughs> There you go. Easier than going on your yard And raking up those leaves So tune in November when we have the raking podcast party If we all just rake We'll
1: have no more earthquakes.
0: <laughs> uh, we are, we are next to an airport here. <laughs> we've been victimized. We've we've attacked the airport. What did what did he say? What is this? Never mind. This is not the Trump cast. Okay. Um, we also always ask people to, to go on the social media and to suggest future episode topics. We have had folks come on to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and suggest topics, and we end up tackling those topics on the podcast. Uh, sometimes the suggestor has been a participant on the podcast. So uh, please get in a dialogue with us. We appreciate those who comment on Facebook when we ask for suggestions for our Mount Rushmore. Can I podcasts. ask a question? Sir, yes. Sir. Can I get in conversation right Absolutely. Now? What's the
1: biggest one where you're like, man, I can't even come up with four. You ever have one of those topic-wise?
3: <sighs> Ooh.
2: We had a couple. We had. We have one There's episode. There's
3: that you, some that you like. Sc- scraping. Kind of, you're just yeah. like. This is, this is a quick Google search and see. Of grass, you're like. Grass. You're like oh,
2: There's God. one uh, that th- th- that will remain an unreleased episode. <laughs> that was the uh, Mount Rushmore of the worst things about sports fans. Oh. Um. Which I, th- I remember we got done with it, and Michael and I in particular looked at each other and kind of gave one of those like. Eww, just feel steamy about that. Because it was just so negative. Just oh. Alienated half the world. It was because yeah. it
3: was just sports <laughs> fans are you're assholes. You're talking about yourself, and then you're talking about your friends, and you're like, uh, I've been around these people, and they probably know whatever story. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: wanted to uh, refer. I went on Smithsonian.com accidentally and found um, a lot of great lists. Um, he was looking for Hustler.com, I know. but accidentally. Well, I was looking for the Will Smith uh, website, but... Um, It did refer to one of the first mentions of invisibility in Plato's Republic in which a character Glaucon tells the fable of Jesus, a shepherd who discovers a magic ring that renders him invisible. Sound familiar? With his newfound power, Jesus infiltrates the royal court, seduces the queen, and murders the king. Uh, This sounds like a letter to Penhouse. Form actually not
2: never just a believed, Greek form. I never thought yeah. I would be
0: doing it. I never that. thought I would be writing one of these letters. I was hoping Glaucon would be the invisible character
2: in yeah. that story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <It does seem laughs>
1: glaucoma.
0: Uh, Glaucon encourages urges that anyone who possesses the ring would be corrupted, Our devotion uh-huh. to justice. He says, and kept in check by the fear of punishment and public approbation. I think that's interesting. Because later on, there's a theme in H. G. Wells in the Invisible Man, which he discusses. Um, Uh, Science divorced divorced from ethics is a nasty hopeless business so I think it was interesting that even the earliest examples of This power uh, unchecked of invisibility has a little bit of a morality and judgment attached to it. Yeah, because it's immediately misused (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Yeah, okay. We are back and uh, For those who tuned out tune back in because Paul Preston is about to get on the mic and let us know his third choice I think the
1: four funniest things in the world are the, the Howard Stern Show, South Park, The Onion, and Arrested Development. Oh, yeah. And uh, in Arrested Development, they have this great ongoing gag, you can always tell a Milford man, mm-hmm. because Buster Bluth went to uh, Milford School, which uh, a graduate of the school uh, boasts that they the, chil- the children of this school are neither seen nor heard. And so then, <laughs> then the, it's the man's goal who graduates from that school to continue a life of that, yeah. uh, trying to neither be seen nor heard (laughs) so you would often see Buster just kind of in the background of a scene just kind of blending into that blending was their special skill (laughs) so uh, I I just that made me laugh so much and of course they're they're kings of the callback on Mm -hmm. that show and and it it made for not just an episode called Public Relations that's the name of that episode if you want to go watch that specific one where they first introduced the Milford Man thing but Buster does it through the whole season Uh, and it's hilarious and if you don't know that show uh, I envy you you have something to look forward to in your life. Yeah. Tony Hale from Veep and just uh, voiced Forky in Toy Story 4 uh, is Buster and he's hilarious. And if he's on the Mount Rushmore, I don't want you to see him. All right, I don't want him to <laughs> kind of blend into the rocks and have the other three people I put up there be on the Mount Rushmore.
2: You could also, from Arrested Development, have gone with Tobias... Blending in with things when he's blue. Yeah. True. <laughs> another, another example of, of camouflage or I, invisibility on the show. Yeah. I blew myself. Yes.
0: I I love Tony Hale creating his own time zone as a character. He has his own type of... And he does that as Forky, too. He's just such... It's almost like he's got his own ecosystem that he his person yeah. lives in. You know, uh, Michael and Job uh, could... The parents and, of, and yeah, everyone are no, kind of yeah yeah they yeah. all share the same kind of humor the same whatever and Buster is just <laughs> this weird um, almost like Stephen Hawking invented this kind of black hole of, of bizarreness that the camera kind of goes into
1: and they have the completely bogus uh, next week's you know, yes. next week and that's <laughs> yeah. where one of the biggest things ever to happen to his character happened where he uh-huh. lost his hand just in a complete uh, the show's almost over we got thirty seconds
0: left anyway he
1: loses his hand yeah.
0: and they'll never have it again <laughs>
1: it, that show's amazing
0: was he ever in the army was he really in the army when he talks about army being in army <laughs>
1: i
2: can't remember okay. yes he was for a little bit but don't really... think they had like
0: army
1: sequences which makes me yeah. wonder if he actually ever got to where he served he or... never
0: he was always wearing kind of a just it looks like a, a off the, brand new uniform <laughs> and was right. like he was really and he was always there he wasn't in right. army and he always <laughs> says i'm in army now <laughs> So uh, I thought that was curious. Okay. Well, it would only be right that he wears camo when he's trying to be
2: neither
1: seen (laughs) nor heard.
2: Winfield, Manfredi, what do you got? All right. So we mentioned The Invisible Boy earlier. Yes, sir. Um, For this one, we are going with The Invisible Kid, the 1988 truly awful comedy. Oh, wow. Um, And I don't know if I've told this story on the show before, but we've done 175 episodes. So fuck it if I've told this story before. Was I in any of these episodes? (laughs) couple oh okay. you're like the bad ones you're a recurring <laughs> character um we get letters when you're on hopkins <laughs> yeah we would, your q rating is not exactly uh through the roof there what is this i love uh, so racing. so i can tell you that this came out the same weekend as beetlejuice and i know this because my uh whatever probably would have been seventh grade basketball team um for our end of season party our coach decided to take us out to the movies and every kid to a person wanted to go see Beetlejuice. But he said, well, this is a PG-13 movie, and you guys are 12, so I don't think I can take you to this. How about we see this Invisible Kid movie? It's PG-rated. Yeah. Um, and we were like, eh, whatever. And then about halfway through the movie, there's boobs. <laughs> And then we were much more interested in this movie as 12-year-olds.
0: Pretty good 13. Pre- PG-13. And
2: meanwhile, our coach freaks out. As soon as the movie's over, Is like, guys, guys, because he's like a teenager. Yeah. He was like 19 maybe at the time. Guys, guys, okay, you cannot tell your parents that this movie had boobs in it, okay? Um, I will fucking kill you, kids. <laughs> I will destroy all of you. Which kind of plays into this idea of... I mean, look. This movie is—it's uh, it's not even on Netflix. It's not even on DVD. You have to watch it like a ripped version off of a VHS yeah. on YouTube. Um, it's like zapped, but without all the charm of the yeah. Scott Baio <laughs> Willie Ames pairing, yeah. right?
3: Ouch.
2: Um, but it does kind of tie into this larger idea of the pervy nature mm-hmm. of invisibility.
3: Mm. Yeah. When we when um, we found out that we were going to team up to fight you, Paul. Um, we thought like I wanted to talk about uh, <laughs> how people would immediately misuse invisibility. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. Richard came back with it's one of the two things that you talk about. Would you fly or would you turn invisible? And mm-hmm. think that's a part of your nature to who would choose flight, who would use yeah. uh, invisibility. And I think that putting it in, like putting it in the hands of a teenage Boy, yeah. <laughs> it's just the worst idea you yeah. can for invisibility. Right. Uh, you know, going back to Harry Potter. Uh, in Harry Potter, you know that immediately uh, that invisibility cloak in a lesser mm, moralistic type person, he would immediately be sneaking into girls' bathrooms and yeah. uh, being awful with it. But it, that never Harry Potter, it never even occurs to him. Yeah. But in The Invisible Kid.
2: Because the, it's he, just this... I mean... Bad movie guys Mm -hmm. Usually I'd say Okay guys check this out I'd even say check it out If it's a bad movie The only reason to check this out Is to be like Amazed at how bad a movie Could possibly be It stars Jay Underwood Who is later on Went on to be Bug In um, Uncle Buck Um, China Phillips Oh Later of Wilson Phillips Mm -hmm. And for some reason Karen Black Oh wow As the mom Wow Because when I'm thinking Suburban mom I'm thinking yeah, Karen. Black. When you
0: can't get Lauren Hutton or somebody. yeah, get Karen I, Black. She,
2: clearly she needed the money for blow. I don't know wow. what was going on with this movie, but yeah, I mean it's even the main character, the the protagonist kid. It's like this kind of feels like a Porky's ripoff, but set in modern times, mm-hmm. mixed with a little bit of Teen Wolf and all this stuff. But the kid's just like a bad apple almost. It's like. It's like he's exactly the kid who would use it for sneaking into the girl's locker room, which is exactly what happens.
0: Yeah. The use of uh, I think one of the first invisibility uh, films I saw was in another. This is uh, as suggested by Randy Ruiz, was one of the the second in the Dexter Riley series of Kurt Russell in Disney films. I love those movies. Now you see him. Now you don't. What was the other one? Was I forgot the, about
1: that. Oh, the World's Strongest Man? Yeah. And world's the computer wore tennis shoes. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, Kurt Russell, um, uh, I think I remember him saying, you know, I, I had to have a summer job, and and it was either that or Molan, so I was, I was a Disney actor. <laughs> My parents made me work and I was in those and films.
2: Of, and, of course, this movie does have the, the uh, low budget, you know, they're still wearing clothes, yeah. So it's obvious they just have like a coat hanger, yeah, and a green screen, <laughs> and it's kind of like just bobbing along. Uh-huh. <laughs> first, first rate work. Yeah,
0: that is a good uh, kind of angle of which to analyze this
2: subject. Is it is often the domain of lackluster visual effects in films, the invisibility. But versus, subject. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be talking about the actual Invisible Man movie, mm-hmm. but at the time that I'm sure was probably amazing special effects, and the yeah. people were blown away by it. In a lot of ways, that special effect hadn't really changed in yeah. 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still basically, whether it's that, or was there a Chevy Chase movie where he was invisible?
0: Many uh, friends on Facebook mentioned that Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yeah. And and lauding it, unlike much of Chevy Chase's non-vacation <laughs> work, uh, which hasn't been mentioned much in time this um josh boltinghouse said uh i love that chevy chase movie memories of invisible man becomes invisible he did a really good job and had great special effects highly underrated although i don't know when people are rating those films but
2: yeah does a, it have boobs in it a couple of people did That's, mention okay. i can't that.
0: remember it was, it was more of a crime story was type
1: of thing like, yeah like the, the the potion to to become invisible gets in the wrong hands that whole kind of thing mm-hmm. more than like him being goofy
0: yeah I think a lot of in stories about invisibility are uh, wish fulfillment um, stories. And it's usually a, a kind of a, um, a put upon kind of individual who is now enacting out their dreams through the uh, uh, um, sense of this, the, the opportunity of this new, new strength. So um, uh, you are now going to mention, I think this is your final choice, uh, Paul Preston.
1: Yes, and it is also an invisible kid. Um, my final choice because I haven't done anything with movies yet, so oh my God. I, I need oh to my change God. that. So yeah. we're going with Violet in The Incredibles. Cool, Violet nice. Parr, uh, the young daughter in that. Because Stanley created uh, Sue Fantastic Storm War. many oh yeah, many years ago, uh-huh. uh, and the Invisible Woman, and he basically created her because he didn't want someone like Wonder Woman who who had powers and punched bad guys. So he gave her invisibility and in creating force fields. Well, it's pretty much the exact same thing Violet has, but it sits better on a teenager because the metaphor is outstanding. Of course, yeah. you brought it up at the top of the show. It's someone who doesn't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. She hides alone as it is behind her hair most of the mm-hmm. movie and as she becomes more and more of a hero, you'll see that hair getting pulled back and she becomes more confident, stands up straight, has adventures with adolescence, you know, uh, much as she has adventures as a superhero with invisibility. So yeah. leave it to Pixar to have some of the most brilliant writing yeah. in the in all the land and they do once again in the creation of this uh, of this character.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, thanks to Todd Weber uh, who mentioned Violet from the Incredibles. Um, Todd Weber. Hey, you know, Todd Weber, Todd Weber way, way back in the Disney cruise line days. Indeed. Okay. Okay. Um, what was it, you know, the Incredibles do the Pixar does, uh, almost everything pretty darn well. Yeah. And I love it when you can, uh, when a, an outward manifestation is, is, is it's their inner psychological state is manifested outwardly Mm -hmm. like that. Like, uh, um, Who's the mom? Parr. Uh, what's her name? Elastic Elastigirl.
2: Elastigirl. Helen.
0: Helen Parr has to very, be very limber, limber and flexible <laughs> in <laughs> keeping this family together, yep. in, in keeping her brain together. And so uh, her elasticity emotionally is really just a mirror of her physical state. Isn't
1: there some scene where Mr. Incredible just has to like save his marriage and he says he's not strong enough?
0: And not strong enough, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's Mr. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I, it is. I mean, a, the writing's amazing. It, is a, it almost seems like the supers in that film are going on... Uh, opposite paths because at one point elasticity and strength uh can't get them where they need to go they have to just be emotionally strong or they have to kind of face these things and then violet can't just hide anymore she has to step forward and actually step up and do stuff so she
1: clearly didn't want her powers unlike you know because brother and sister always have to be at dash loves his powers yeah you know can't get enough of them and she didn't so they all grew in their various directions like that as well I mean, if you you don't know Pixar isn't a brilliant uh, story hub, Mm -hmm. watch Toy Story 4. I mean, you'd think, "Eh, it's all wrapped up. Well, you don't need another one. Perfect trilogy. First of all, it's not a trilogy. uh, They're in three individual stories. And secondly, you're wrong. The the, the producers, when I saw it, said that this was never Andy's story. It was Woody's story. And Mm -hmm. he's got more stories to tell. Uh, So any challenge, any sequel, anything they want to do, Go for it. I would would believe they pull it off before anything else. Even in Incredibles 2, which you'd think there wasn't more to do there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Nonsense. Pick that movie up from right where it left off, and it's great.
0: Agreed, except for Cars 3 for me. Didn't need it.
1: Cars 2, I didn't need it. Okay. We're we're going to get it. it
0: (laughs) Double agreed. Okay. Of Wrapping up the episode, Manfredi and Winfield.
3: Well, you mentioned it earlier. Yeah.
0: The One Ring. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry, guys. The One Ring. You okay. stepped all over it. Sorry,
2: guys. Like, because the secret to comedy is, of course, guys. Surprise! So, was... Timing.
0: There, there it is. Location.
3: This is the Galahad story. It. Location. Good job, everyone. Sorry, guys. What I liked about uh, the Ring of Invisibility uh, within the Hobbit and then in Lord of the Rings is that orig- It was a retconned piece of jewelry. In originally in the Hobbit. It was just a ring of invisibility. It wasn't tied to the one ring. It was just this thing that allowed uh, Bilbo Baggins to uh, escape from Gollum's cave and rejoin up with the dwarves. But in once he started getting the ideas to write The Lord of the Rings and kind of expand the universe, he kind of rewrote The Hobbit and put out new editions where it became the one ring, this thing that Sauron had created. It was this all-powerful magic ring to control the rings of men and elves and dwarves and yada yada. And this ring went from something of a simple invisibility ring in a kid's book to being this all-powerful, you know, adult version of the same thing where it didn't just turn him invisible. It sent him to this weird shadow land where, you know, if you watch at least the movie adaption of it, like uh, Frodo is it doesn't seem to be a good thing when he puts it on. It's, it's as much a curse as is a blessing. It gets mm-hmm. him out of a situation, but then he's hunted immediately and the Sauron sees him and it's like, but he's feels compelled to constantly put it on. I, I like that aspect of it where he has to use it in turn in times when he's just desperate versus I just got to turn invisible because I want to turn invisible. Yeah. And I think that it really is an adult thing that they did to a kid's book is take this one thing that was iconic as just a simple trick. You know, it's a simple magic trick that turns into the thing that's going to destroy the world.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Wish I hadn't crapped on it earlier with that stuff from Plato's Republic. Yeah. What... what, uh, I don't have anything to ask about that.
1: You don't have anything to ask about one of the most popular uh, (laughs) literary series of all time?
0: How long... What was the time between those two... Books, he wrote yeah. the first
3: Hobbit book in like after World War One in like the nineteen probably twenties mm-hmm. or thirties, yeah. and then he didn't start on the Lord of the Rings until I think the fifties. I mean, mm-hmm. I I don't know yeah. for sure, yeah. But it was quite a long period of time before he decided to make that change.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder if there was a plan there. Think of uh, other like you were referring to the Harry Potter franchise growing. Some people kind of growing old with it, or the 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 um, level of reader that the book was aimed at kind of got a, got a little older. Was that a strategy on Tolkien's part?
3: Do we do we know? I don't know. He's you know I'm I've read the books and I've seen the movies more times than I've read yeah. the books. And um, as far as I know, he was just kind of a guy that was constantly tinkering with uh-huh. his own work. He'd constantly go back and make revisions, and uh, you know write all these alternate histories you know people complain about like uh uh, what's his name martin doing a uh george 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 you know kind of doing all these side quests and not finishing the book because he wants to write all this other stuff he wants to write the history of this world rather just complete the story and that's perfectly fine i'm sure if J R R tolkien was out there doing his thing and people just waiting for him to finish, he would have, you know, he wrote like this Silmarillion and he wrote all these other different things that were just aspects of this universe, but he had the time to actually write it. He didn't have a media deal and he didn't have all these things. I don't know how much time actually took place between Mm -hmm. the Hobbit and. Well, if you watched
2: the movie Tolkien now available on DVD, Mm -hmm. you would have known this. We are not sponsored by Tolkien, but it's a great movie. We're not actually sponsored by it,
3: (laughs) Um, but I don't know. I, The the story that I heard is that you know he kind of started coming up with the Lord of the Rings stuff during World War One when he was a soldier in it and wanted to write this. I don't know. You can cut out this out. I don't know. Okay. (laughs)
1: Did Did uh, Martin create a whole universe and get away with never having to involve
0: invisibility? In in Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, I don't know. As far as I I know,
2: there's no. I do not
3: believe there's that kind of magic. Is there magic in? Sandra. There's a lot of like I, I hear the books are crazy. Like compared to whatever the, the HBO series is. The books apparently are just like they they just do anything. Everyone is everyone is an insaner version of what you see in the TV series. Yeah. So it could be like they've got a guy that blows the horn that calls the dragons and can control dragons. It's like, all right, well it's a fantasy, you know, fantasy story. Who, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. Oh,
0: so before we do the judging part of it, I want to thank the folks out in the Facebook sphere who made some compelling suggestions and, uh, Art Hadley great, great sci-fi story called the Martian missile, where a guy is rewarded with non noticeability. So it's not really invisibility. It's just, nobody's going to look at you ever. If you are using this power, Arno Stemmer is another person who mentioned mystery men X-files, there was a genie who gave a guy a wish who was kind of a redneck who wished for invisibility. <laughs> He forgot he had it, got hit by a car crossing the street. So That's a hell of an episode. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, some fun, oh, of course, in Deadpool 2, there's Brad Pitt plays an invisible person. That's
2: a recent pop culture kind of example. Did anyone mention Wonder Woman's jet? I don't know. And can anyone to... do a five-minute stand-up yeah, yeah, a r- routine <laughs> about it? Because I'm sure. <laughs> you know, uh,
0: Todd, Todd Williams, did re- mention Wonder Woman and did want to make an observation regarding the physics and how light hits an invisible if you're invisible then does light actually hit the photoreceptors of your eyes
2: and so we're kind of getting in deep with that yeah because can you see wonder woman inside or can you see if jet? you're wonder woman
0: oh yeah does he can you see her
2: inside the just, jet is it just the wonder Woman zipping around like she's sitting somewhere on yeah. on a toilet and she's s- just...
0: some fun observations uh brian Ullman. you're technically invisible to a t-rex if you don't move so uh, these I ideas... Think the movie, of... I
3: think the movie invented that. Did it really? I mean, all of this stuff is invented. We we all invented all of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've been reading
3: a lot of books uh, with dinosaurs with my kid lately. Uh-huh. And they're all like, uh, Jurassic Park, that he just made it up kind of whole cloth.
0: There was a funny observation from Peter Newcomb um, from Grape Ape, the cartoon. <laughs> Uh, Invisibility invisibility can be foiled by dumping paint from an aircraft all over whatever is invisible, if you have some idea
3: where it is to begin with. I think the best version of invisibility that I've seen in a movie was when they did it with the Predator, where it was kind of shown as a kind of a projection. Yes. Where you could kind of see him moving through... He wasn't totally invisible invisible, but he was just kind of bent the light around yeah. him sort of thing. I think that was I think that was a clever way of camouflaging yeah uh, you know, the, the hunter character. And that
0: may be pretty accurate from a scientific standpoint. The things when I've seen something that has cloaking capabilities, right. it does seem to kind of distort the light versus
3: Yeah make or you it. like complete. takes a picture of whatever's behind you yeah. or whatever yeah very technical podcast no
1: right? well now you're opening the doors for a, a, a mount rushmore of cloaking of oh, mm-hmm. cloaking that's a whole different thing. we can talk about the birds of prey and star trek the x-men mm-hmm. jet we'll go on and on
3: yeah
0: okay uh so uh thanks to our guest paul preston of the movieguys.net and many many things uh for being our uh, combatant to richard and michael who are teaming up this episode <sighs> uh we're wrapping things up that's the wrap-up paper sound um Uh, I want to give some points out here, and I want to give, I'd never heard of this, Matt King, Cloak of Invisibility. It sounds hilarious, and uh, Paul Preston gave us an example that had nothing to do with TV or film, but was out in a live performance, so that was super cool. Uh, Monty Python's How Not to Be Seen, uh, some really great nostalgia there. Discovered Python when I was a young man, Um, and a Violet Parr. Uh, That choice from uh, The Incredibles and the observation of how much invisibility can be uh, wish fulfillment on behalf of the character (coughs) And is an expression of the character and then Winfield and Manfredi I want to give them one point for the big one the one ring to rule them all Uh, the one ring from What is it? Some book? Yeah Some book book. Okay, okay, okay Uh, This has been any parting remarks? Guys, no, where'd you go? I hear you. I'm right here. I can't. I hear you. I'm literally right in front wait, of you. Hold on. Uh, let me. Pull. Ow! <laughs> oh, sorry. Onk. Paul, are you there? Is that oh, Throw paint on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as as usual, I'm all by myself in my garage. <laughs> this hey, has wait. been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. I'm guest Paul
1: Preston. <laughs>